0: Plushcare.com slash weight loss. The opinion line on Cork's 96 FM. Let me go first to a story that we were waiting on, on Friday. You know the way it's an absolute nuisance. You're waiting on a story to happen. And it happens like two minutes after you get off the radio. That was the Graham Dwyer case. We were waiting to see what would happen. He was waiting for the outcome of his appeal against his conviction for the murder of Elaine O'Hara. You'll know, or you'll remember, that his mobile phone records, which were used to trap him and to convict him, and as evidence against him and all that, there was a long and protracted argument over the last couple of years about the legality of those records. And they were deemed to be illegally collected. And he thought that because of that, he was going to walk. Or at least he was going to get a retrial. He got he got neither, but the story might not be over. Joined by uh, sports reporter Frank Grainy. Frank, good morning. It's been a long, convoluted one. It's not even over yet. Good morning.
1: Good morning to you, PJ. It's certainly been a long process, a grueling process for Elaine O'Hara's family. I think yes. that's fair to say. Yes. You know, today actually marks the eighth anniversary since Graeme Dwyer was found guilty of murdering Elaine O'Hara. I was there on that dramatic day in a packed courtroom in the Central Criminal Court when he was found guilty of murdering Elaine. And it's hard to believe, I don't think anyone would have envisaged at the time, that we'd still be talking about it all these years later. And as you say, I suppose time will tell if Graeme Dwyer will return to another courtroom with another appeal down the road. Um, we'll have to wait and see if he does pursue mm. some sort of an appeal before the Supreme Court. But for now, as you say, he lost his appeal against the conviction before the Court of Appeal on Friday. And it is also fair to say that it was an emphatic loss. He mm. lost all of his grounds of appeal.
0: Uh, go, go through the phone data story, Frank, because that was the biggie. The guards were not at fault here but the 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 taking of the the using of the records was illegal can you go through briefly why
1: yeah well i suppose to sum it up in a nutshell what the court found and what other courts have found is that the harvesting of the metadata so this is call records and location data the harvesting of that was actually done unlawfully that is accepted now by the courts but on the back of a supreme court a number of years ago the court felt in relation to a a separate and entirely separate case they felt that even in circumstances where through the investigation of serious crime where evidence is obtained unlawfully as long as it was obtained in good faith um that can be deemed acceptable, and that can go to a jury at trial, and that's kind of what happened here. Phone evidence in in during the trial itself was a central, if not the central, plank of the prosecution's case against Graham Dwyer. There were two elements to it. Um, Firstly, the contents of thousands of text messages, 2,620 to be precise. They were taken from five mobile phones, three of which were attributed to Graeme Dwyer. He only accepted um, uh, ownership in relation to one of them. He denied any links to two of the other phones. And then the second element in relation to the phone evidence at trial was that metadata. That was um, his call records and location data retained by mobile phone service providers, uh, they were obliged under law Um, To retain that information and then the Gardaí were able to access it subsequently. Now the directive, the EU directive that underpinned that law was deemed to be invalid, unlawful. Dwyer spent years, and that's the reason it took so long for him to bring this appeal, he spent years fighting against that legislation through the courts. This went all the way to the Supreme Court with a detour to the Court of Justice uh, of the EU and he was ultimately successful. So as you say I think he would have been quietly confident coming into Mm. the Court of Appeal on Friday and the judgment was read out and it was a 63 page judgment it took some time, Uh, it was read out by the President of the Court of Appeal Mr. Justice George Birmingham who for whatever reason decided to save the best for last so we went through all of the other grounds of appeal before he came to the court's decision in relation to uh, the mobile phone evidence Uh, this metadata as I say was a central and integral part of the prosecution's case because it put Dwyer at certain locations at certain times relevant to the investigation and the defense claimed that that was their main their key piece of evidence so clearly if it was inadmissible then you know obviously they felt that the conviction would be unsafe. Yes. But the prosecution disagreed. They claimed that the role that that evidence played was relatively marginal and yeah. particularly in relation to the the text messages, the those 2,620 text messages that were put to the court. And in the end, that's where the Court of Appeal landed on the issue. They described the metadata as the icing on the cake, yeah. that it was yeah. a bonus, but yeah. that the cake itself was all of the other evidence and they found nothing wrong with that evidence.
0: Effectively, the prosecution's message to him was, look, Fine, whatever about the metadata, we've got you on lots more than that. And and that's kind of where it came from. Now, I was listening to an interview over the weekend, Frank, with a man, I'm sure you'll be familiar with him, uh, Ono Dell, the Associate Professor of Law at Trinity College, and, and he yep. was saying, this isn't over, that we're kind of only two-thirds of the way through the match here. So what could happen now?
1: Well, I suppose...
0: It's that time of the year. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss.
1: That's up to Graham Dwyer and his legal team. As I say, this was a lengthy and complex judgment delivered on Friday. I have no doubt that they will spend some time going through that with a fine-tooth comb. Um... Graham Dwyer does, I suppose, potentially, and that is an important word, potentially have another avenue of appeal before the Supreme Court. But unlike years ago, where you had an almost automatic right to appeal a a decision like this to the supreme court that's no longer the case the supreme court has become very busy over the years so it doesn't take every case that comes across its desk graeme dwyer's legal team will have to prove to the court that there are legal issues of general public importance that will have to be aired out before the supreme court will take a case so if he decides to pursue an appeal before the highest court in this land, he'll first have to seek permission to do so. Um, There was another interesting case before the Supreme Court earlier in the week in relation to Patrick Quirk, the man who murdered Bobby Mr. Moonlight. Ryan. That went to the Supreme Court on two legal issues. So he lost his appeal last year on 52 grounds of appeal but then the supreme court did agree to listen to two points of appeal because he was able to convince the court that they raised issues of general public importance so graham dwyer will have to do the same before the supreme court will hear a, a further appeal
0: all right frank for now he's going back to prison and he's asking to be moved is he asking to be moved to arbor hill where all of the all of the lifers are is that where he's asking to be moved to
1: I'm not sure that's that's something obviously that the Irish prison service will have to deal with. He yeah. has been serving his sentence in, in the Midlands. The Midlands prison as, yeah. as as far as I know. And he was in court on Friday. That hasn't been the case throughout Supreme Court challenges in relation to that legislation. He wasn't required to be in court, but he was there on Friday. And I must say him no more than the rest of us has been affected by the passage of time. Eight years since that high profile trial. A lot more grey hairs. He's yeah. balding now as well. And those I suppose, you know, those pictures that you'll see of Graham Dwyer in his tailored suits, well, he was certainly dressed far more casually on on Friday wearing a a quarter zip top. Um, He was very agitated throughout as well, I must say. Very frustrated, I think, when it started to become clear and just the way the judgment was presented, starting off with, you know, other grounds of appeal in relation to prejudice and his claim that he didn't receive a fair trial. And as those... Smaller, arguably less important grounds of appeal started to fall away, you got the sense that Graeme Dwyer was getting a little bit uncomfortable in the dock because he knew that his case now rested exclusively on that mobile phone evidence. And when it became clear that he was also going to lose... Uh, that battle, you could see him trying to relay messages to his legal team, but at that point it was game over. There was very little that they could do for him at that point. Uh, whether or not I say there will be more to come in relation to this story, and here we are talking about it eight years on. Mm. We've been talking about it at various points since t- 2015. You know, time will tell now whether we'll be back on your show talking about it again, PJ. You
0: know, for the sake of the O'Hara family, we would hope not. We would hope that this is it. Frank, thank you. Frank Rainey, uh, court reporter. This story of Grey wire. Why do we take such an interest? Because he is a Corkman, originally from West Cork, an architect by profession, convicted March 27th, 2015, this day, eight years ago, and still trying to get out of prison for... Where he is serving life and will serve life, continues to serve life for the murder of Elaine O'Hara. And it's of her and her family, I suggest, that we should be thinking rather than of him or anything else like that. The other big story at the weekend, we were here talking about it on Friday morning, was the, the Kerry Babies, the arrests in the Kerry Babies case. And there's a lot in your newspapers this morning. The solicitor for the two people who were arrested on Thursday evening, who were subsequently released on Friday night. Slister has been giving a number of interviews to the newspapers this morning. Some very interesting reading in it. I don't propose to go there, but if you want to go and buy a newspaper, you can read the interviews. ninety six FM.